Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here, Friday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad? We're making it, Hutton. Fast We're making hour. it through. Plenty to come. We've got Michelle Tafoya coming up about an hour from now. Looking forward I to that, I can't wait chat. to get more info on this story that uh, I'm not all that familiar with, that she's uh, a yeah. part of a documentary about with the right. first ever NFL game. So that's going to be fun. Plus, Chad's got your top 10 games of the college football weekend. We'll also definitely ask... Uh, Michelle Tafoya, one of the all-time greats uh, on the sideline, about uh, Carissa Thompson's comments and get her reaction to that as well. That's all coming up. One of the all-time greats in regards to sports wagering is with us. And Todd, just an all-time great dude. Oh, too. solid. Todd just Furman a, joins in us. In terms of dudes, Todd Furman is right up there in the uh, pantheon of great dudes. Host of the Bet the Board podcast. Todd, good to see you, man. Thank you. Hey, always a pleasure, gentlemen. And again, every time I have the privilege of coming on with you guys, I look at that still shot of the two of you that pretty much comes straight from Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. So at least we know what the two of you will look like when you officially get enshrined in Wax Museum or, history. And also in the casket. Yeah, oh, no, no doubt. Which may be coming <laughs> sooner rather than later uh, with both of us. Um, you have to see at some point when Clay joins us, Clay is kind of out and about and can't be on by video. And the photo, it, it looks like an oil painting of Clay in the middle yeah. of it. It is the most prestigious thing that I've he, ever seen of Clay. It's, it's, it's you amazing. Know, that, that's what happens when you get royalty. But I think the scariest image of Clay I've ever seen is when he missed the Fox photo shoot day back when they used to do the Friday night college football show. And they basically yeah. photoshopped Clay's face on Petros Papadakis's body, and it was the most mortifying thing that you could ever see driving down Sepulveda Boulevard. And uh, I'm thankful that Fox finally pulled that off. And more importantly, don't put him on most of their Fox Sports programming shows. Yeah. Todd, how much has Harbaugh's absence with Michigan affected the spread for the Wolverines? You know, it hasn't moved it a ton. Uh, last week against Penn State, you figured it was going to play a bigger role because Coach Harbaugh, while he'd been with the team all week, helped them install the game plan. If that contest was plus or minus a possession, you figured that his calming influence on the sideline, especially for a starting quarterback in J.J. McCarthy, could play a bigger role. This week, uh, when you look at the way the betting market has moved for their trip to College Park to take on Maryland, you knew you were going to see a little bit of Maryland money coming in early, and it's as much a letdown spot after the Penn State win last week, knowing that they have Ohio State waiting in the wings. So the 21s were cleared out of the market, and I wouldn't attribute that to J Coach Harbaugh not being there. That's more a byproduct of this schedule and the potential that Michigan will not have their A game for four full quarters. So potentially it affects the Ohio State game more than the other two games. So what we've seen there and some of the look-ahead numbers that were out there, Michigan was right around a six-point favorite for the last couple of weeks. That number has ticked down a shade to five and a half. I'm real curious to see where odds makers elect to open that number, but you can make a whole variety of different cases, whether that's because of Harbaugh, the conservative game plan that we saw in the second half in Happy Valley, 
I mean, how often can a top five team go on the road as a four and a half point favorite into hostile territory and their quarterback doesn't log an official pass attempt? I know J.J. McCarthy threw once. It was pass interference. But I can't imagine if Jim Harbaugh is on the sidelines, they're as conservative with the way they elect to attack an elite level defense. Well, and Todd, someone like you that works with the numbers, right? You're very analytical in how you're looking at all this. It's got to be hard to factor in the emotional and college football is such an emotional sport. And I know the, the big noon kickoff show on Fox was even talking about, I think Urban Meyer said, I feel bad for Penn State because of the mindset of what Michigan wants to do today in this game. When you're looking and analyzing at, at any game, how much do you factor in what you can't quantify, which is the letdown opportunity of a game, the emotions of it, home versus all those things when you're looking at it, how much of a factor is that with you? You know, it's one of those that you use if you're looking at handicapping as kind of a five-pronged approach. I mean, the first thing you're going to use as a baseline is a power number. You know, is there value in and of the number itself based on a team's current form? Can you sell a stock at the top of the market? Can you buy another at the bottom? Then you begin to look at some of the X's and O's, the offensive and defensive side. If there's a run-heavy attack, will they be able to lean on some of their strengths against a team that flat out can't stop the run? And as you get further and further down, you definitely look to try and find some of those scheduling edges. Is it a team that's played four difficult games in a row? Is it their third road game in four weeks? You know, is it a sandwich spot after one big game last week against a rival on deck and you figure you're not going to get the A game? It's how you find some of those things that, you know, to your point, Chad, that aren't really quantifiable from the odds maker's perspective to give yourself that little bit of an edge that may have you close to making a bet on a particular game, but finally pushing you over to get there on a contest that you may have made the game 11, number comes out 10 and a half, but you still think it's value because you want to make that one and a half to two point manual adjustment based on a lot of the things that odds makers can't always build in without creating a little bit of unnecessary exposure for themselves. That was an incredible answer. Yeah. Uh, very detailed also. And the, the segue with that, it, my Tennessee Vols, uh, who, who looked awful a week ago in Missouri, but they've looked bad mostly on the road this year. And I think they've won something like 14 straight games at Neyland Stadium, and they look like a different team. I fully expect Tennessee to play better and look different in this game at home, but I just don't know if that's enough to cover uh, the 10 points against this great Georgia team. W what do you think about Tennessee coming back from what was a miserable experience on the road at Missouri this past week and Georgia flying high coming into this game? You mentioned Tennessee and how good they've been at Neyland Stadium. I believe you have to go back to 2021 when they hosted Georgia to find the last loss that they've had in their own building. And credit to Josh Heupel and this coaching staff. He's restored a little bit of that legacy. We're going into Knoxville. It's starting to become a truly difficult place to play. The kind of thing that we didn't see when Jeremy Pruitt was the head coach and a couple of the guys before him. But you mentioned the game last week, and that was downright disappointing from Tennessee. We knew there was a little bit of revenge on the mind for Missouri, who had given up 60 points in each of the last two meetings. No love lost between their head coach, Eli Drinkowitz, and, of course, Josh Heupel. But Tennessee goes out there, looks to be a little bit lethargic early in that game. But even trailing 10-7, driving late in the first half, you figure for as poorly as the Vols had played, they had a chance to keep that game knotted up at 10. They were going to get the ball out of the break. They turn it over. Missouri looks to be running out the clock. Schrader bust yet another run. 13-7. Vols don't get anything on the opening drive, and it kind of snowballed from there. Uh, but you mentioned the perfect aspect of this handicap. It's do you have the guts, essentially, to go back and back Tennessee, who is a little bit undervalued in this spot against Georgia. And Georgia's played a gauntlet in their own right. You look at how they've performed since coming out of the bye 
dominated Florida in Jacksonville despite a slow start, needed everything they had in the tank to get through Missouri in a game they didn't cover as a 14-and-a-half, 15-point favorite, and arguably put forth their most complete effort last Saturday night at Sanford Stadium, absolutely boat racing Ole Miss after they spotted the Rebels a 7 nothing lead. Georgia's human, like everybody else. They know what's at stake. But there is no doubt they saw that final scoreline for what unfolded at 4-0 field. And you can understand if Georgia, fresh off of the dominant victory, doesn't come in with their A game. You look at Tennessee, their ability to run the football, stop the run. I think they'll be a little bit better in the trenches. And I hate to use this word, guys, but I feel like it's the only way I can describe Tennessee's defensive performance in that fourth quarter. There was a little bit of quit out there. I don't think you'll see that this weekend, but it is imperative that they're able to show balance, run the football, take some of the pressure off Joe Milton. And I think you're going to see professional money show up on game day for Tennessee, especially as a 10-point pump. Check out the Bet the Board pod with Todd Furman, who's our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Todd, how do you typically, not no details here uh, as far as team by team, how do you typically tend to bet programs that have a coaching change the following week? It's always one of those $100 million questions. And I wish there was a blanket statement that you could say, you know, teams that are changing their coach, going with an interim, you know, hit at a 37% ATS track record. But so many of these teams, you know, don't like their head coaches. They raise their level of play. And then there are others where they go, you know what, we're just going to fold the tents. And especially in the transfer portal era, it's a very unique element to try and factor into all of it. So it's as much about knowing the individual teams, being able to read the tea leaves from some of the player comments. For example, you look at a team like Mississippi State. I think you're going to see them look a little bit more dynamic offensively this week with no Zach Arnett. They've taken some money as a 14-point favorite. That number has ballooned out in that 17, 17 and a half range. Signs point to Will Rogers potentially getting the start. And that's as much a change in offensive philosophy as anything else. You're seeing similar money coming on Boise State for their trip to Logan, Utah against Utah State, where they're now a four-point favorite. And guys, that may be the most extreme example because Boise's most talented receiver, Eric McAllister, a kid out of the Texas, had put his name into the transfer portal, was going to quit the team. They fire Andy Avalos, and suddenly this guy is all bought in and wants to get back on the roster. So if that doesn't tell you how they felt about their head coach, it reminds me of what we saw unfold in West Canaan, Texas, when Johnny Mox wouldn't take them out onto the field until <laughs> Bud Kilmer said he wasn't going to be out there to coach that second half. What a great, great film to reference every single time. And a great moment in that movie also. It's felt like a movie for Washington uh, this year, and they've been a lot of fun to watch. They are a one-point road underdog, though, at Oregon State. What do you make of that line? What do you think about this matchup? This one has been a huge battle in the betting market. We saw Washington originally open as a one-point favorite. You saw Oregon State move into the role of about a two, two and a half point favorite. And there was a little bit of buyback on the Huskies. You look at this Washington team and we know how their bread is buttered. It's with an aerial assault with two very talented receivers in Roman Dunzier and Leon Polk. You look at what they may add back in McMillan, who has been out for a couple of weeks, went out there, tested the knee, uh, and they're optimistic that he can make some contributions here. But that'll be one of the more electric atmospheres in all of college football this weekend. Research Stadium, one of the smaller stadiums amongst Power 5 teams. Uh, but you look at ticket values there going for 4 and 5x, they'll be 35,000 strong. And Oregon State will have plenty of say, not just this week in terms of impacting the college football playoff, but next week as well. Because if they're able to win their final two regular season games, it's Oregon State going to the Pac-12 championship and spoiling the party for Washington and Oregon. My biggest fear with the Beavers is their biggest weakness is on the defensive side in terms of defending the pass. 
And while I know they struggled immensely in Pullman earlier this year where they gave up a crooked number to Washington State, I think they'll be able to generate some pressure. If they can get to Michael Penix and get him behind the down and distance, there's a path. But the real key for Oregon State is establishing the ground game, leading on Deshaun Fenwick, leading on Damian Martinez. Uh, and we look at DJU, the Clemson transfer, hasn't been asked to do a ton, you know, ha- doesn't really drop back more than 15 to 20 times a game, but he's given them enough balance. Uh, I think Oregon State has an excellent chance to, uh, to win this football game. But guys, I made Oregon State a two-point favorite, and I'm not stealing anything uh, with this game with the Beavers playing one. Todd, on the back end of your answer here, give us your your best bet for Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football unders this season are 11-1. and one. And in primetime matchups, if you still count, count the international games as well, 30-7 and seven was the record for the under going into Week 11. Uh, and I, I forget if it hit, or hit the under last night or not. I doubt it based on the way the Ravens finished that game. Point being, uh, normally you would tell us that the market adjusts. Vegas adjusts to whatever the trend might be. Why hasn't that adjusted the way you would have expected it to? I mean, we've seen a downtick in scoring across the league. I mean, when you look at the average points per game so far in 2023, scoring is at a low that we haven't seen since 2009. And we talk all the time about it being a copycat league. So what happens? Teams try and figure out ways they can scheme up defensive approaches to slow down Patrick Mahomes and that high-flying Kansas City offense. So you see a lot more two-safety looks, and it basically dares the opponent to methodically move the ball down the field. And you've seen a lot of that in the NFL this year. Teams don't have a ton of problems moving it between the 20s, but when you're looking at going over totals in the mid to high 40s, you can't be kicking field goals more often than not. You have to be able to get the ball into the end zone. And with teams having shaky offensive line play and inability to run, as that field continues to get condensed, and we see a lot more illegal contact uh, and holding penalties of the five-yard variety, you're not able to pick up some of those chunk plays. Look, you have to handicap each game independently of one another, uh, and I'm always reluctant for people to end up buying into a trend because when it's as widely available or as talked about as much as some of these primetime unders, you're going to see some of these adjustments come in. But last night, the perfect illustration, you mentioned the game going over the total. That open 44 gets as high as 46 and a half, 47. Uh, and if did take a late touchdown from the Cincinnati Bengals to kind of get over that closing total at 47. But at the same time for the Monday night game, that number opened 48. We're now down to that 45 and a half, 45 range. And I do think one of the best kept secrets so far that's getting out slowly but surely is how good this Chiefs defense has been. That's actually been the stronger of the two sides of the ball for Andy Reid's team this year than what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes and that high-flying offense we've grown accustomed to in the past. So just one minute left here. How are you betting? It's the first time we've seen the Eagles as an underdog this season. How How would you suggest we bet this matchup on Monday? So for me, I have the utmost respect for both of these head coaches in terms of what they're going to do to devise game plans here, but I'm not ready to bet against Andy Reid with extra time to prepare coming off of the bye. We saw how dynamic that team was offensively in that Germany game against the Dolphins, scored 21 points, albeit only 14 from the offense, and then leaned on their defense. So if I'm looking to get involved in this game, it's not the full game number, uh, but I think you'll have an opportunity to lay one with Kansas City in the first half. I think that's the way that I would go about attacking it. You know, I'm real close to where the market is at 2.7. So I don't think laying two and a half at the Chiefs is a steal, but I could see a scenario where the Chiefs take a field goal or more lead into the break. And I would lay the one with Kansas City for that massive game Monday night. Todd Furman uh, has been our guest. Uh, always curious uh, to find out too about the, the weekend big moments, uh, just events. Uh, F1 is in Vegas. And I don't know, 
I don't know who you would pick to win outright based on the manhole covers that won't stay on the, the track there. <laughs> it's never a dull, hey, I, dull weekend in Vegas, right, right Tom? I mean, look, Vegas infrastructure apparently remains undefeated and nobody could uh, calculate the proper G-force, but I was glad they got out there, fixed the track, uh, and hopefully the act race itself Saturday night goes off seamlessly, although most of the country, I'm sure, will be asleep when they drop the green flag at 10.45 at night yes. Pacific time yes. and close to 1 o'clock in your neck of the woods. And hey, c- congrats on stealing the A's from Oakland also. Yeah. Great, great job well by your city hey, there. you got hey, an amazing baseball see, team you know, now. They win 45 games. We may send them back. That's so true. I'm sure yeah. we can move them to Mesquite or somewhere else <laughs> if Vegas doesn't want them. We only like to support winning franchises. They can be town, someone else's problem the if they if they have a season like this last one. By the way, Todd exactly mentioned right. uh, not betting against Andy Reid. He's 21-3 and three coming off a regular season bye. Crazy. Todd. Thank you as always, man. Great insight here, and uh, we always enjoy when you're on the show with us. Hey, always a pleasure, gents. Uh, Enjoy the weekend, and best of luck with any investments you might be making. Same to you. One of the best of dudes, Todd Furman. Bet the board. Check out the podcast with Todd Furman. He's excellent. A fan of oil paintings also, much like us. Yeah. A lover lover of art. He's not hanging hours. He he may be like me. I would. Clay's is so perfect. You want to hang it in your... Entry, entry hall. It is, uh, I think Jim Nance has the same one that was over his uh, fireplace at one point. (laughs) The same uh, self-portrait that was done for him. Coming up, we've got the top headlines, including Joe Burrow's injury, but also Major League Baseball headed back to Atlanta for the All-Star game. That's next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Back-to-back guests there with uh, Fabiano and Todd Furman, who know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Two of the very best at what they do. Uh, same is said for Michelle Tafoya. She'll join us uh, coming up in about 40 minutes. Always a, a great conversation with her. And we have Chad's top 10 games of the college football weekend in 20 minutes from now. Yeah, that's going to be good. I, I, I'm looking forward to talking to Michelle about this uh, documentary she's working on, uh, the controversy surrounding uh, Carissa Thompson, who I know had a statement about it today, I guess clarifying uh, some things. We'll get into it with her with all of those things. Can't wait. Time for the top headlines. Scorched Earth here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. We start, Chad, with the news coming out uh, yesterday afternoon that Atlanta, the Braves are going to host the All-Star game after all. 
after Major League Baseball bent the knee uh, and, and took the knee on behalf of the vocal minority and removed the All-Star Game out of Atlanta, out of Georgia, based on the, uh, the voting issues that they, well, they took issue with that were going to be changed uh, based on the, the state of Georgia, they're going back in 2025, and rightfully so. After removing it out of Atlanta, out of the state of Georgia, and going to Colorado, they have similar voting laws and, and voting policies. That went off with, without a hitch, by the way. They're going back to Atlanta, and the Braves win. Well, it's the also... The fans win. Uh, the san- workers sanity, win. Sanity wins. Because people become insane when they, the mob needs their pound of flesh right away. And when this voting bill came, came into action in the state of Georgia, I think a lot of people who probably didn't even read it and see what it was actually involving jumped to conclusions. And they immediately needed their pound of flesh, right? So what happened? So let's demand Major League Baseball, remove the All-Star game from Atlanta, and then Major League Baseball caved, which you, you can't do. So, look, this is the right thing to do. This, to me, Hutton, is as close as you're going to get to an apology from Major League Baseball to the city of Atlanta and an apology for how they handled all of that by just giving them the game in, in, in a short amount of time from when all this took place. Oh, and the, the election law is still in place, by the way. Yeah. As they go no, back. Sh- Again, it is the pound of flesh society we live in that something happens and people immediately need something taken away from someone or, or action to be done instead of processing the information, seeing what it actually is, and then having organizations to have the wherewithal to not kowtow to what's going on. That, that, that was Major League Baseball's big problem the last go-around, and they caused a bigger headache than they needed by doing that where they should have just stood firm and said, no, Atlanta's getting uh, the game. We're not going to step into, into politics here about something that was legally passed into law in the state. We're not going to do that. They're going to host the game, and this will blow over. Instead, they acted rashly. They acted emotionally because they were responding to rash and emotional people in a small mob that they were hearing from that probably had nothing to do with Major League Baseball or going to the game or watching it while it was in Atlanta anyways. Right. This is, but again, I think this is as close as we're going to get to an apology. It's just by them giving Atlanta the game so quickly. And the, the University of Georgia did a study in 2022 about the midterm elections and voting experience based on the, the new law, that, the new bill that was passed. And by and large, they found that the election law actually, the election law actually helped, not hurt uh, voters in general, especially uh, black voters who were polled and, and asked in, in particular about their voting experience. And zero percent of black voters surveyed said they had a bad voting experience based on the midterm elections. Yeah, and All rem- remember what the uh, narrative was when this happened. That's right. This was done to um, you know, eliminate people from being able to vote. Needed which, an ID to be able to vote. It, it didn't happen. Well, and It didn't happen. And all it did was hurt when MLB took out the All-Star game. All it did was hurt the local economy and those that were working the game. And, it it and, hurt a lot of black-owned business. But, right, they, yeah, the local economy. In, in and around Atlanta. So, uh, it, look, it was a major... Major malfunction for Major League Baseball to do that. They acted emotionally, and we say it a thousand times, don't respond to the mob. Let it blow over. You don't have to do these things, and understand that social media is not always real life. Hutton citing that poll right there is a great example of it. It's, it's not real life. 
People are going to be outraged online no matter what. You can't respond to every little controversy and then act that way. And I, I believe, Hutton, again, we're trying to make progress here, right? I think Major League Baseball learned from that mistake. And that's partly what they are admitting by giving Atlanta the All-Star game back. It was a huge error on their part, but I do think they are admitting their mistake by giving them this game back because that bill has not changed. So nothing's changed with that. This is their admission that they were wrong. Chad, Acuna, MVP How about of that? the NL. After all the discussion about it was going to be Mookie Betts and that the, the, the voters were going to side with Betts and not Acuna, he ends up, and rightfully so, being the most valuable player of the National League. Of course, Shohei Otani, your MVP in yeah, the AL. No, no brainer in the AL. Uh, Ali pointed out, uh, Chad, you didn't think Acuna would get it. You didn't think they, they would do it. And I'm, I'm thrilled they did. I really was just thinking more of um, the specter of the Dodgers organization. Yeah. You know, that one of those two guys were going to get it. I think it probably kind of split, was, you know, with Freddie Freeman and Mookie man. Betts a little bit. And then uh, the, the, the breaking away of that went to Acuna. But when you look at the things he was able to accomplish with the amount of home runs, the amount of stolen bases, and first in Major League Baseball history in so many different categories – it was to me. It was a no-brainer, and I'm glad that the, the voters got it right. Well, the naysayers point the to the new rules, and I'm thinking, well, the new rules for the the old school baseball enthusiasts, the old the old style, right, where you just can't change. Baseball is about stats. You just can't change the sport. Well, there was small pushback, but once we saw it in action, no one's pushing back on um, what Major League <laughs> Baseball changed within the rule book to start this season. You can't hold a player against the rules that are in place. Yeah. Based on what was established at the beginning of the, the, the regular season. And moving forward, that's how they'll be judged. It's based on this new yeah. record that's been set by Acuna. Well, look, you know, the, the, the line with baseball, the thinking was, you talk about, you know, over the years and going back over a century, things have been the same. Well, it's not. That's not true. Uh, ballparks were different then. Ballparks are different now. Ballparks you play in from week to week. And series to series are very different. The guys who play in certain ballparks that are righty-friendly versus lefty-friendly, all of those things lead to stats. And that's what I love about the game is the difference, that you can have different size parks and everything else. And it was also, hey, the length of the game's the same. You play nine innings. You played that back in the late 1800s. Yep. You play nine innings now. Well, you also used to play extra innings a lot more and more innings with that until the new rules came into place to speed things up and artificially put a runner at second base to start. Well, that leads to more RBIs. That leads to more guys scoring runs that otherwise they wouldn't. So, again, there's been tweaks over the years. They've changed the baseball, for God's sakes, over and over. I mean, it, there's the differences in the game, right? So I, I don't, I've never bought that completely. When anyone wants to go, well, what I love about baseball, the numbers are the numbers, the numbers are all that matter, and the numbers were the same then, and they're the same. The game is different. The circumstances around the game have changed over the years. I, I don't get too bent out of shape about those types of things. And here's the deal about baseball now. I like it. I like the rules changes. I do too. I, I, I like that there's I more stolen more bases. I, I like that the game seemed to flow at a quicker pace throughout with, with the, the pitch clock. I like all these things. Yeah, and it worked. I mean, you, you saw viewership up in the local markets. And it, again, they're trying to get you to watch more often and stick with the game longer. I think that was mission accomplished team to team. The next step for them, though, Chab, is to establish the individual personalities of the players who are in their sport. And they have failed in that 
in that lane. And the, the latest is this free agent pursuit of Otani. Uh, welcome to the most anticipated free agency pursuit in Major League Baseball history. This is Babe Ruth as a free agent. That's what they want to pitch to you. All of the discussion about this upcoming free agent market and what Otani was going to do, who he was going to sign with, was he going to be traded? That was a daily conversation on this show. And right now, Otani, his agent, and the teams involved don't want you to know any detail about the pursuit behind the scenes to sign baseball's best player. This is a massive fail where the fans are not going to follow the frenzy at all. And it's a prime example of why Major League Baseball is stuck being an afterthought with daily discussion. If you're pulled up at the bar, you're grabbing a beer with your friends, if you're out to dinner, if you're going home from church, whatever, and you're talking with people, baseball's not the big conversation because the personalities and the individual aspects of what make the NFL great are not there for MLB because Otani's agent, and specifically Otani, have told teams that if news leaks of any details involving conversations with Otani and said team, they will hold it against that franchise in terms of where they're going to end up or what the price tag's going to be. And if you don't believe it, try to find any detail about the teams and the negotiations and what's being offered right now. That's a massive fail. Now consider the craziness and the daily, the daily news, even if it's just a random update of player X is going here. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, even Kirk Cousins this coming offseason. We're going to know every small detail of what Cousins is doing and who he's visiting and what appeals to him. We don't really know that with Shohei Otani. And this is baseball's best player, period. Point blank. He's going to set the new record. Think about what Pedro Gomez would be thinking right now. RIP. He followed Barry Bonds on a daily basis and practically let off SportsCenter every day with an update on Bonds for all the investigations that were going on behind the scenes. Or just the, the pursuit of... Free agent X. We're going to know more about Blake Snell than Otani. And that's a massive fail. This is their option. And the best case scenario for Major League Baseball to get into the football realm right in the heart of football season. And they're not going to do it. And normally details are not out and it's a long process for free agency. I know. But people believe that this could be wrapped up before the winter meetings even start the first week of December, which is taking place here in Nashville, that Otani's going to have his mind made up and that, that'll be done. It's two weeks. You know, you've got two or three weeks here where you could have some sort of relevant info out on your sport. And yet again, MLB's in the shadows. That, well, that's a failure. It is a failure and well said, Hutton. And I, and I think they could take a page out of the NBA's book who really gets a lot of interest going in the offseason. I mean, this is like the decision for LeBron James level important yep. for Shohei Otani and for Major League Baseball. Uh, now, we laugh at that, but we remember it, right? The spectacle that was LeBron James leaving Cleveland the first time 
and taking visits, doing all that. Kevin Durant, Durant renting a house in the Hamptons and meeting with all the Warriors brass and leaving. That That's something we remember and stories that were written during yes. that time and got a huge bit of interest in NBA during like the offseason. Steph Curry and company, Iguodala and others, going with the team for the pitch for the Warriors to land Kevin Durant in the Hamptons. Yeah. But that detail, like, are there players for the Red Sox or the Dodgers that are doing that with Otani? This, this could be a huge story, and it's an afterthought. We're well, talking it, daily about Michigan. Otani could be a part of that daily conversation. I, I, I'm with you, and it's, um, it's a missed opportunity. Again, I, I don't like a lot of what the NBA does, but they do the offseason well. Yeah. And they generate a lot of interest in free agent visits and things that happen in their offseason. That is where Major League Baseball could point and say, we need to get a little bit of that shine this offseason. We need this with Shohei Otani. Instead, uh, there's just going to be a, a, a tweet from Jeff Passan or some other Major League Baseball insider saying, Otani expected to sign with this team. And, and that's, to me, a shame. It's a shame that, that everyone's going to miss out on that. Now, the headline will be where he's going, not where he's been and what he's contemplating, right? Yeah. And the price tag's going to remain the same. I don't know why the, he wants to stay private, whatever. But unfortunately, Major League Baseball, for the most part, has a bunch of players who stay very private. And that's why they're struggling to make ends meet. And they're taking out loans and everything else with all the TV money that is currently there but not really there moving forward by Major League Baseball's taking over half the league in terms of their broadcast rights. It's a mess. And it's because there's no true interest in the day-to-day, just the operation well, they, of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. They, drama. There's no drama. And they need, they need the star power. Allie writes uh, uh, in the YouTube chat and says, y'all drastically overhype the personalities in the NFL. It's the coverage of baseball that's lacking. Everyone's tied up in football anyways, even this season, a drastically boring one uh, in the NFL. Um, I don't see. I see a lot of quarterbacks and NFL players in commercials right. all the time. I don't see enough baseball guys uh, that are doing that. I, I'd, I'd like to see some more of that. So you got one sport where people are behind a face mask and a helmet all the time too, and in baseball you can see their faces more. NBA benefits from that, where you know what all these guys look like. It's a problem for Major League Baseball. However you want to cut it, not a problem. Chad's top ten games of the college football weekend. That's next. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Weekend, it's arrived. Getting there fast over the course of the next uh, hour and 20 minutes or so. Michelle Tafoya will join us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to that. Hot by with Hunt and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Join Chad in the chat on YouTube. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Chad, um, your significant other will be saying thank you. Yeah, that's right. If you uh, head over to Manscaped, and they'll be thanking you and very thankful that you visited Manscaped. Thanksgiving is a holiday for love, Hutton. That's what we're wow. saying. If you're ready to spice up your Thanksgiving, it's a spicy holiday. 
Uh, it's time to, as you get ready to dive headfirst in the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce, time to talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season, the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. It is time to go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of business with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com and use code HOTMIKE for 20% off and free shipping. And enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOTMIKE, H O T M I C, at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping in manscaped.com. Use that code HOTMIKE. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Hutton, your balls will thank you. They will. Speaking will of balls, well. there's going to be some footballs being thrown around this, uh, this yes. weekend. Yes, there is. And one of the segments I look forward to each and every week, Chad Withrow's top 10 games of the college football weekend. Need more reasons to watch college football? It's time to bang some hats. Here's Chad Withrow's must-see games this weekend. So, Hutton, not a great slate of games this week, right? Not, not, not the best, but surprisingly pretty deep with some of these games. And I'm going to go to places like the Pac-12 Network and CBS Sports Network to give you a couple of little tasty nuggets okay. of games that are going to happen this week. Game number 10, Nebraska at Wisconsin. I don't have a lot of great things to say about either one of these teams. Wisconsin has been terribly disappointing. Uh, They were a preseason pick to win the Big Ten West. They have not been good in year one under Luke Fickle. Um, How about this stat, though, for Jeff Sims at Nebraska? Uh, In the past six years, not a single team in the nation has accumulated 27 turnovers through 10 games, like the 2023 Nebraska Cornhusters. 131 teams, okay? Six years. That means that Nebraska has more turnovers in 10 games than all 786 teams that have played in the past six years. Now, this is the really crazy stat. Jeff Sims, the transfer portal quarterback from Georgia Tech, okay, has the highest interception percentage rate of any quarterback who has thrown more than 40 passes since 2000. Of the 4,000 college quarterbacks who have attempted at least 40 passes in the last 24 years, not a single one of them has completed the pass to the wrong team more often than Jeff Sims of Nebraska. And oh, by the way, in 2021, Jeff Sims led the nation in fumbles while being the quarterback at uh, Georgia Tech. It's been a problem at quarterback in a lot of places for Nebraska. I just thought that stat was insane, so I want to throw it out there. But this is a chance for one of these teams to get bowl eligible. And for Nebraska, that is very important. They've not been to a bowl, Hutton, since 2016. The end of the 2016 season here in Nashville against Tennessee in the Music City Bowl was their last bowl appearance. I don't buy into bowl games carry over to the next. This would carry over for Matt Rule. It would. A bowl appearance. It would get him a lot of favor because they close out uh, with uh, Wisconsin and Iowa. So tough to get there for him. Game number nine, number 10 Louisville at Miami. The Hurricanes actually a one-point favorite in this one. Louisville's got a good record. They got a chance to play in the ACC championship game. They will be there if they win this game. Uh, They have the 99th rated schedule, toughest schedule in America. They've had an easy schedule this year. Uh, These teams close. The S&P Plus ratings that Bill Conley does. Miami 26th in the country. Louisville 21st. So a little bit closer than the record states. That's why you see Miami as a one-point favorite. Game number eight going to give you one of those big games off the Power 5 radar. SMU 
at Memphis. Okay. SMU an eight and a half point favorite on the road. If you like offense, you'll love these two teams. This one kicking off at 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN2. SMU, the Mustangs, seventh nationally in offense, 40.5 points per game. Memphis, ninth nationally in offense. Two top 10 teams offensively, almost 40 points per game. Seth Hennigan, 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions for Memphis. Preston Stone, 23 touchdowns, six INTs. Very similar teams offensively. That's going to be a good game in the American Conference. Game number seven. Let's go to the Mountain West, Hutton, shall we? UNLV at Air Force. This game should decide who is hosting the Mountain West Championship game as the number one seed, both with only one loss in conference. Air Force, a three-point home favorite. This game is on CBS Sports Network at 2.30. It's really defense versus offense. Air Force, seventh best defense nationally versus UNLV. They got a top 20 offense, 18th nationally. They can score. They can. Moving right along, game number six. Back to the Power Five. Let's do it. Texas at Iowa State. Tricky, tricky trip to Ames, Iowa for this Texas team. The Longhorns only a seven and a half point favorite. This game kicks off at 7 p.m. on Big Fox. Iowa State is 6-0 when forcing multiple turnovers. 0-3 when they don't. If Texas takes care of the football, I think they're going to be in good shape. They need to close better, though. They had a huge lead against Kansas State. Almost let that one get away. Huge lead this past week against TCU. Almost let that one get away. They need to close out Iowa State in this one. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Matt Campbell has got something for them at night, at home. I think this is a one-possession game down to the wire, one way or the other. Texas just needs to win out. Just win out and get to the Big 12 championship. But Iowa State playing at home. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Texas is without their starting running back for the first time. They are, yeah. Who is a stud, too. Yeah. Um, game number five uh, is the Chip Kelly's last game as UCLA coach. I- I'll go ahead and call it. It's Caleb Williams' last game as a college football player because there's no way he's sticking around for a bowl game that's not a playoff game or a New Year's Six a good game. Point. So this is the last chance to see Caleb Williams in college is what I'm willing to bet. USC a six-point home favorite. This game is at 2.30 on ABC. The Bruins have the best defense statistically in the Pac-12. USC, lots of problems. Scoring points has not been one of them. 477 yards and 44 points per game. That is a a gigantic number that USC is scoring, uh, but a team with four losses now on the season. But a nice rivalry game here. And will Chip Kelly still be the coach on Sunday is the question. If you're picking this game for UCLA, you're betting on the fact that they're going to play for Chip Kelly. I don't get that sense, Chad. I don't. Not, not not as USC builds a lead, and they'll do it early in this game. Yeah, I think the uh, the route for UCLA in this game is the one that Notre Dame showed against USC and how to defend them, and that that's how you frustrate them. We'll see if they can do it. Game number four, Kelly and Vegas, very excited for this one. Her K-State Wildcats, 21st in the country, on the road at number 25, Kansas. Not many years you can point to where it is two top 25 ranked teams in this rivalry game between Kansas State in Kansas. It's at 6 p.m. on FS1. Kansas, an ugly 16-13 loss to Texas Tech, but every week is different. We see that in college football time and time again. Uh, Two of the last three weeks, they have passed at a less than 50% clip. That is not good for the Jayhawks. Kansas State, two of the three losses this year, they came in their worst rushing games against Missouri and uh, um, and against Texas. They've got to run the football. That's the formula for Kansas State. Can they do that against Kansas? We'll find out. It's tough soon to enough. do against uh, 
Kansas State. Uh, Kansas, can they run it against K-State? It's tough. 120 yards per game. And, Chad, under the lights, the last time we saw Kansas against, uh, a, not a rival, but a big matchup, Oklahoma. And we saw what happened there. Looked good even after a long uh, weather delay in that game. The Wildcats favored by what? Seven and a half still? Is that still the line? K-State, yes. Uh, I think six and a half. Right out of of touchdown favorite right now. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. And Kansas got good news this week with Jalen Daniels announcing he's coming back. Kansas also likely down to their third quarterback in this game. Not going to be good in that regard. 14 straight wins in this series. It's been dominant, man. They have. Game number three, Hutton. Let's go to the SEC. Da, 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 da. The CBS yes, yes. game of the week. Strike of the band. Have that CBS uh, theme music in that game while you can, because it's going away pretty soon uh, after this after this season. After the, I believe, after the Iron Bowl next week. Number one Georgia, a ten point road favorite at number eighteen Tennessee. Two thirty on CBS. Another game where I say college football is very much week to week. Tennessee was very bad against Missouri, and I agree with Todd Furman. I think there was a little bit of give up. Uh, after they got down three scores in that game. It was a 19-7 game in the fourth quarter. It fell apart late. Tennessee's a different team at home, though, at Neyland. Neyland is a big-time advantage. It's going to be rocking tomorrow when the number one team in America comes in. But Georgia Hutton, they've hit their stride. 611 yards against Ole Miss. They are fourth in the nation in time of possession. Tennessee, the way they play, not a good time of possession team. You get two or three three and outs in this game if you're Tennessee – that is going to add up quickly, and you're quickly behind the eight ball how, against this Georgia team. How many possessions in the first half last week? Was Two. It, I think they had uh, that, they first three. Qu- three total. Tennessee had got the ball once in the first quarter. Uh, but that, that's the way this game could go. They yeah. will suffocate the life out of you if you don't get some first downs and at least move the ball. And, and Joe Milton, a huge factor early to watch. I think Tennessee needs to pass to set up the run in this game. Tennessee is still a very good rushing attack, best in the SEC. They're the eighth best rushing team in America. The Vols are 6-0 when they average four or more yards per carry. Mm. They're 0-3 when they don't so far this season. So Georgia, by the way, uh, they've allowed teams to rush for over four yards per carry five times. So teams have run on Georgia more than usual. Tennessee's got to do that in this game. Jalen Wright, uh, Dylan Sampson, they've got to be huge in this game if Tennessee's going to pull the upset. Hold on to the ball. And don't fumble yeah. the way they did uh, up in Columbia, Missouri. No doubt about it. Game number two, uh, we're going to go Pac-12 heavy here with our last two games. Number 22, Utah at number 17, Arizona. How about the Wildcats of Arizona? A one-point home favorite, 130 central time kick on the Pac-12 network. No clue how to find it. But if you can, <laughs> this is going to be one worth watching. Utah, much like Kansas State, much like Tennessee, must run to win the game. When they go for 225-plus on the ground, they're 5-0. and They're 0-2 when they don't reach 100 yards rushing. Arizona, one of the best against the rush defensively in America. They have yet to give up 150 yards rushing on the ground all season. Whoa. So can Utah run it against an Arizona defensive front that's been terrific against the run? I really think the game comes down to that. They have, uh, Utah struggled offensively against their top opponents on their schedule. Uh, Arizona... They have found their offensive identity. They have. Should be a fun game. Arizona has been a a real pleasant surprise this year. Yes. Game number one. I love this one. Number five, Washington at number 11, Oregon State. The Beavers, a one-point home favorite, 630 uh, 630 Central time, excuse me, on ABC. 
Oregon State, they've been good, but their best win of the year, 21-7 at home over Utah. And that defense suffocated the Utes in that game. Great line play on both sides for Oregon State. Damian Martinez is a stud running back for Oregon State. There's going to be some opportunities to gash Washington on the ground. But they haven't been terrific against the pass. And, and we know how Washington is on their offensive line, giving Penix Jr. some time to throw. Uh, Washington, they handled power well against Utah a week ago. Another opportunity to go against a powerful team that's going to want to run the football, and it's the number one game of the week. Oregon State, Chad, has allowed yards through the air against their top opponents and quarterbacks on their schedule. Penix Jr. continues to stack that up this week. And hey, America's team. Yeah. The Huskies. America's team. Go win as the underdog. It's definitely this show's team. Uh, we, we've been talking about them all year. And if you want to change things up a little bit in college football, if you're tired of uh, the college football playoff rankings being dominated by three or four of the same programs year after year, root for Washington. I know they've made a playoff before under Chris Peterson. And I think they got blown out by Alabama the year they made it. But this is the type of program that you need some new blood in there at some point. They've got a real opportunity, but they got to win up in Corvallis on Saturday night. We continue to hear that they are very close to being the fourth team in the playoff. If they win this game, Florida State's playing North Alabama. That's the difference They'll flip. in four and five. It will definitely flip. Yes. This is a huge road opportunity, too, for Washington. Coming up, Michelle Tafoya joins us. We'll discuss many things her new uh she's narrating right yeah narrating a documentary yeah. about the first ever nfl first game team. plus her thoughts on carissa thompson saying that she made up halftime reports that's next